You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man to my socially distant side is across the studio it's scott chasing of fog.net i told him to get away from me mm -hmm. and we had to move him yeah the actual story is i requested a transfer i think made. they thought i meant a transfer across the room i meant a transfer to a different city state he, country something I, I don't know he just looks like a guy with viruses mm -hmm. you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on twitter at the drive 13 and of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions at thedriveshow.com. And remember, and this is important kids, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, K-State entered the season with Plenty of questions about its offensive line, but surely the Wildcats wouldn't lose to Arkansas State to open the season in Manhattan. Well, the Cats did lose to the Red Wolves 35-31 on Saturday. Fitz, how did this happen? It was dreadful. I mean, it was really bad to watch. You know, K-State came out, and they actually got ahead 21-7. They, uh, they had some bright spots. Freshman running back Deuce Vaughn, tied in Briley Moore, certainly looked good in this game. But the offense really couldn't get any consistency. The offensive line really did struggle throughout the game. They tried to do things to help Skylar Thompson. Um, and certainly Deuce Vaughn was much more able in the running game because he could make people miss. But really, Scott, when it comes down to it, they scored 31 points. So for all the offensive issues they had, uh, they made some great catches and they had some drops. Skyler had some great throws and he had some bad throws. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, when you stop and look at the end of the day, they gave up 35 points to Arkansas State, which is a good team out of the Sun Belt. We'll get into the Sun Belt massacre in a little bit. But Jonathan Adams, their big receiver, was a guy that Kansas State couldn't stop. He, whenever they really needed something, he would go post up and they'd throw the ball to him and it was a complete mismatch against K-State's receivers. At the end of the day, like I said, this wasn't about the offense. People want to complain about Skylar Thompson. They want to complain about the offensive line. They want to complain about a lack of a running game and drops and all of that. The K-State defense gave up 35 points in a non-conference game to a, you know, a, a team that it should have handled. It's a good team. They had some skilled players. They, they rotated quarterbacks, and that was somehow effective. And yet they lost. This was really an ugly, ugly day at the office for Kansas State football. Uh, don't overreact. It's been a weird year, and I've been saying at GoPowerCat.com, what we're going to see this year, Scott, is we're going to see upsets and blowouts because the preparation has been so uneven for these games, mm -hmm. and it really looked like Arkansas State had played a game and had gotten better from game one, a loss at Memphis to game two, a win at Kansas State. Really? Arkansas State, Scott, was the better team, and they deserved to win. 
And that one stings for Chris Kleiman and company. Yeah, and, and to that point, I mean, eight penalties for Kansas State before the first one for Arkansas State. That tells you exactly what you said right there. One of those teams have played a game. One of those teams haven't. One of those teams played very sloppy, especially defensively. And hey, by the way, also missed a couple field goals. They could have yeah. had even more uh, on the scoreboard. So I, I would not be panicking if I were Kansas State, and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit too. Yeah, the good news is K-State has a week off. Mm -hmm. to get better. The bad news is, is when they're done with that week off, they get it prepared to go to Oklahoma. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Scott, Kansas fell behind 28 to nothing against Coastal Carolina. Not again. And then the Jayhawks <laughs> finally woke up. What caused the disaster at the beginning of that game that led to the 38-23 defeat? Well, I mean, I, I look at this thing kind of two different ways because you had the turnovers. You see the first one right there, uh, three turnovers in the first half. And oh, by the way, on the two drives that weren't turnovers, you had a missed field goal and then you had uh, a punt. So nothing, nothing much in the way of offense into a field goal by the end of the first half, three touchdown drives in the second. To me, the defense was so much of a bigger problem than the offense in this game, uh, and really the defensive line. Now, the offensive line, to me, was the biggest issue on the offense. So when you're kind of struggling at the point of attack both ways, uh, those are areas that, quite frankly, you can't afford to get uh, completely dominated against a team like Coastal Carolina because it's not going to get any easier as the year goes on. Think back to the turnovers. The first one was a tip ball by a wide receiver who uh, is a true freshman who is good enough to be playing, but wouldn't have been in that situation if Stephon Robinson was available. We don't know why he was unavailable, but he was on the did not dress list. Uh, the second turnover was a fumble, kind of a freak play where two wide receivers run into each other. And then the third one, a defensive tackle. You see again, bats up a ball to himself. Now that's a good play by the defense. I think that was probably the most normal, the least fluky uh, of the turnovers. So uh, you'll forgive me if I'm not overreacting to those individual plays. What I think you can't underreact to is again, that offensive line and the defensive line. Coastal Carolina routinely got pressure with four. And when they blitzed five, Kansas had absolutely no shot of stopping them from getting into the backfield. Coastal Carolina, I believe, had either a third or a fourth quarter sack where they only rushed three players. Kansas is working in a lot of new faces at the offensive line. They have they lost all 12 starts from both tackle positions last year, most of their starts from the center position. So they are working in new pieces, but that's still unacceptable. You have to be able to block inferior competition. And then, you know, defensively, I thought a young secondary was fine. Kansas played a ton of freshmen and sophomores. That's good for the future, not so good for the present. Uh, however, that defensive line, man, it looked rough. Coastal Carolina could get whatever it wanted, and yet, you know, it's a lot of short fields, a lot of scores like that. I would not be concerned about the 28 to nothing. I would be concerned about why it was 28 to nothing, because that 28 to nothing, a couple fluky plays go differently. It's 14-14. The issue is the line play on both sides of the ball, and it's going to be a huge issue uh, when Big 12 play begins. Well, it sounds like K-State. Uh, important question here, Scott. Uh, teal as a school color. Love it. I do too. Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Good. You know, if we were on another network, we would both disagree and argue about that for five minutes. You know, this kind of looks like, pardon the interruption, by the yeah. way, I like the two little boxes. Oh, okay. Dibs I, on Wilbon. I, I, I'm in a box. <laughs> well, three losses to teams from the Sun Belt, two COVID postponements, and a blowout by Oklahoma. Fitz, what did we learn from this non-conference weekend of Big 12 football? Uh, first of all, the biggest thing we learned is that Maybe the, the space, the gap between the power five and the group of five isn't as good as what we once thought, isn't as big, because I watched parts of that Louisiana defeat of Iowa State 
I watched all of the K-State game and I watched most of the KU game. Three Sun Belt teams belting the Big 12 North upside the head. And you know what? All three of those teams look legit. I, there were reasons why K-State, KU, and Iowa State lost, but they, they lost to teams that actually have talent. Now, Oklahoma is the best team in the Big 12, Scott. I think we can agree on that. Uh, they have been for a long time. But they played a dreadful team in Missouri State. It went 1-10 last year. And it's only playing three games this fall because they, the rest of the conference is delayed to the spring. Those three games include a home-and-home home with Central Arkansas and going to Oklahoma. That's their schedule. So, look, I, mean, I don't want to put too much in that there's a huge gap between Oklahoma and the rest of the conference. Maybe there is, but I'm not going to say it off of this game. The Sun Belt was prepared. They made the most of their opportunities, and they won. And that, I think that Louisiana win at Iowa State, a ranked team, that's a statement win for the conference more than beating KU and K-State. Yeah, I mean, there was clearly a difference just in the way that these teams looked. It looked like for a lot of these Big 12 schools, they didn't have this kind of buildup to the season that they've been so accustomed to. They didn't have... Uh, whether it be the, the kind of resources they're able to put into a spring slate, whatever they are able to accomplish, that usually they look so prepared. And, you know, Kansas State is the kind of the ultimate example to me because I mentioned, you know, just kind of the sloppiness and, and what you'd expect with that first game. This is just my opinion. Kansas State could have easily lost by three touchdowns. You look at Arkansas State missing a field goal. You look at them turning the ball over, uh, I believe, in the red zone, you know, right there by a, a scoring opportunity, and then also committing a roughing the passer penalty on a third and 30-something that, cool. again, K-State scores a touchdown on that drive. Now, that's not to insult K-State. My point in saying this is one of these teams looked like, hey, we've played a game, we're prepared, and the other team looked like, wow, this offseason has been really weird and, and we're just trying to figure this whole thing out. So that's why I say I wouldn't panic, first of all. But Fitz, to your point, yeah, I mean, it, it showed that maybe there isn't as big a difference as we thought conference to conference. There certainly looks like there is one, you know, with Oklahoma and the rest of the conference, and that starts with quarterback play. Yeah, Arkansas State returned all five offensive linemen. K-State returned none, and that really showed up. Mm -hmm. Now a quick look at your poll question of the week. Well, this week's question is... Which Big 12 team suffered the most embarrassing loss to a team from the Sun Belt Conference? You have a few choices here. You have Kansas losing to Coastal Carolina. You have Kansas State. And then you have Iowa State. You can vote at thedriveshow.com. The Matt Campbell March to a National Championship is over. I'm we'll sorry. see. We'll I'm see. Sorry. We'll see. Uh, well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill. But we will be right back with more on KU and K-State. Maybe Matt Campbell, maybe not, on the drive. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Well, K-State's loss was Coach Chris Kleiman's first setback in a season opener. Did this take some luster off his shine for fans? You know, it's amazing uh, how many fans has absolutely panicked. You know, Skylar Thompson isn't the guy. The, 
He's Ron Prince all over as a head coach. And, you know, it, I don't really want to put any judgment into this season unless it's an absolute disaster. Um, you know, I went into this game, Scott, with an interesting uh, thought that this, for the Big 12, the way they set the schedule up, this almost feels like a week of preseason games. Like, you don't have any practice, enough practice. You don't have enough of your team to really go at it and practice because of all the people with COVID or quarantine because of possible exposure on top of normal football injuries. And these games are just kind of an acclimation period. And I thought Arkansas State's good enough to win at Kansas State based on these things. I didn't think it would happen, but it did happen. And you come away from the game understanding this. There are some weapons. I mentioned them early in it. Little freshman running back Deuce Bond, who is actually shorter than Darren Sproles, uh, is a force. And new tight end Briley Moore, who transferred in from Northern Iowa, is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, how there's talent all over college football. He played the FCS level last year at Northern Iowa, and he comes to Kansas State. He's clearly the best tight end. And when you watch him play, he looks like an NFL tight end. So there, there's some stuff here with Kansas State that you got to like. There's some things there that they can build off of. But you said it right. If you're bad along the line, you're bad. And Kansas State right now, as we sit here tonight, is dreadfully bad along the offensive line. And honestly, it was disappointing along a defensive line that was rebuilt, but it sounded like they felt good about it. And now as I sit here tonight, I wonder, maybe they felt good about it because they thought their offensive line was okay. And they were tearing them up, and it turns out the offensive line was awful. So really, what were you seeing in practice from the defensive line? Because honestly, the defensive line wasn't that impressive. The defense as all wasn't that impressive. But they will get better. But is it good enough to start winning games in the Big 12? Well, we'll find out. Well, Scott, you mentioned KU's defense in the first segment, but it felt like they couldn't get a stop all evening. How much of a problem is that unit right now? Well, look, the Kansas defense got one stop in the first half, first forced a punt. They came up with a big stop after kind of a, a botched, weird onside kick kind of scenario where it looked like Kansas recovered. Kansas was called offside. Kansas did recover. Kansas was called offsides. Uh, you can question whether or not you think that was the right call. One of the was players it? was kind of leaning over the ball, but at the same time, it seemed pretty obvious. And, you know, at the time, Kansas would have had the ball seven minutes left, down by 12, something like that. But the thing is, Kansas should never have been in that scenario. And I mentioned some of those turnovers being fluky. Uh, the quarterback play was hard to grade because the receivers and the offensive line let them down so much. The receivers unit should be good. I would grade both of those units for the individual game in F. I think the receivers have a chance to be an A in some games. I'm not sure the offensive line uh, could do much better than a C. But you look at that defense, one of the most important things to have when you build a defense is experience. It's also something Kansas severely lacks through no fault of Les Miles. That's the fault mostly of Charlie Weiss, David Beatty. And the expectation always going into this year was this was the year when Les Miles, if he did things correctly, was going to have to pay for the mistakes of his predecessors. You lose seniors in year one, you lose more seniors after that. You know, after his basically, they lose seniors in 2018 and 2019, but he's only bringing in freshmen. So these freshmen are now freshmen and sophomores rather than the juniors and seniors you'd like to put out on the field. You know, I think of young players 
uh, that got experience for KU. Karan Prunty was probably the best defensive player in the game. He did have a pass interference penalty. He's a true freshman. Jacoby Bryant was in the game. He's a true freshman. Steven Parker, redshirt freshman. Gavin Potter, who had uh, a horse collar penalty. Uh, he's a sophomore. Um, Kenny Logan, he's a sophomore. There were a number of young guys in there, so uh, you can look at it two ways. You could say, hey, that's great for the future. Um, and the other way would be, hey, that's really bad for the present. So I, I don't expect this Kansas defense to be a lot better, uh, especially because they lost three 12-game starters in the secondary, two primary starters on that defensive line. It's going to be a problem all year, especially that defensive line. They have to get pressure. They can't rely uh, on a veteran linebackers unit, the one area they have returning talent. They can't rely on that to fix everything. Uh, and it showed. So, again, can be a positive, can be a negative, but certainly for the present, it's definitely a negative. Yeah, you know, Scott, it struck me in watching both of these games. Those teams for the Sun Belt were better defined offensively than the Big 12 mm -hmm. teams. They were better prepared and they executed better on offense and they won. Yeah. One, one other thing, schematically, Coastal Carolina used a quarterback that it really sounded like Kansas was not prepared for. Yeah. Now, kudos to them for playing a redshirt freshman who came out of nowhere that no one had film on or anything. He was good. However, you've got to adjust. You yeah. absolutely have to. And now we step Out of Bounds. And Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland's Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. The big question looming over all of college football is this. What does this season even mean? Does it count like usual seasons? Because it sure doesn't feel like one, Scott. What I mean, if a team goes 5-5 five and five or 0-10, oh do we really know anything about the team based on everything going on around the programs? Well, look, I, I said earlier that this was going to be the year always where Les Miles was going to have to pay for the decisions made by his right. predecessors. And in many cases, I think it's kind of, it's certainly not a good thing what's going on, but individually in that aspect for Kansas, it is probably a good thing that this season feels, uh, I, I've called it an imaginary season. It feels kind of cheap. It feels kind of fake. And so if you can get just get through this season with everyone healthy, uh, I think for a place like Kansas that's rebuilding, that has a different bar than other programs, you say, okay, now let's see what happens next year. The, the line, though, is so much different. Uh, it, it's very different, you know, when you compare it Kansas to other places. If it's covering Kansas State, I'm sure you have maybe an entirely different answer than that. Well, I, I tell you what, I think in some ways Chris Kleiman is struggling with the recruiting he inherited now that those seniors from last year moved on, so I think you were spot on. But just trying to manage the COVID cases and the quarantines. I mean, there's two different things going on. People that actually have tested positive, maybe asymptomatic, but have tested positive, and those who just happen to be around someone who had COVID, it's like your roommate got a concussion, so you're in concussion mm -hmm. protocol too. It's it's a very strange thing, and uh, coaches and teams are going to have to learn to manage this. And if you have depth, you've you've got a big chance to be good. But the really good news for programs like Kansas, and in this case Kansas State also, is the season doesn't count in eligibility. So mm -hmm. all these freshmen playing, this is a freebie. This is huge for particularly KU. Those guys that are freshmen on the field next year will be freshmen on the field along with the other freshmen. It's going to cause a big bubble class, but mm -hmm. I'm telling you what, it's going to really help programs that are trying to build. Yeah, for a place like Kansas that's at a deficit of scholarships, it certainly will. Yeah. Well, now let's hear from the fans, and our fan question this week is, was it really necessary to ban tailgating at K-State for fans when only 25% of the stadium is being used, and that's from... Beth and Topeka Fitz. You know, I, I know that they probably had to surrender that to the county to say, look, we're going to be careful. We're going to do this. We're not going to have tailgating. I don't really think it was necessary. I mean, if you took the time to block off spots, there'd be enough 
parking spots probably to accommodate everyone and to be spaced out. And if you told people the only rule is you can only tailgate with people that came in your car, eh, I don't understand the problem. But uh, they're taking an abundance of caution, just like we are on the set, because <laughs> I don't want to be next to Scott. And if he pulled up and tried to tailgate next to me, I wouldn't be happy. I'm offended. I'm not going to respond to that. But no, Fitz, I think Fitz makes a valid point there. There are ways to do things safely, and there are ways to do things kind of irresponsibly. Kansas obviously had no fans. You can argue whether or not having some was, uh, you know, could have been done safely. But Kansas said, hey, you know, we're not going to have anyone at this game. Conversely, you know, you saw K-State, most of the crowd very spaced out. That student section not spaced out one bit. So that, that was a little surprising to see. But as Fitz mentioned, there, there are ways to do things kind of more safely, especially tailgating if you are kind of contained within yourself. You also understand why it may have been that way. It so. looked like a night in Aggieville in the student section. Yeah, well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we'll talk some predictions here on The Drive. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. That was Keith Jackson, by the way. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. The predictions are brought to you by Patriots Guns in Manhattan. We are worth the trip, guaranteed. Remember to make your weekly predictions over at thedriveshow.com. It's a new season, and we're starting fresh. I look fresh. Zeros across the board. We asked Aaron to put the fans last, and he did not obey our wishes because we wanted to be on top before the fans start beating us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the picks this week, and we start with a, a newly scheduled game, mm-hmm. a phenomena of this season. This game didn't exist a few days ago, and now Houston will go to Baylor on a Saturday. Houston plus six, Baylor favored. Scott, you say? Give me the new coach bump, I'll take Baylor. Okay, I will go with Baylor, because I know Houston's coach. Next is Tulsa plus 21 and a half at Oklahoma State. I'll take the Cowboys. I will take the Cowboys too. This game was also rescheduled. And now our last game of the week is we're going with the Chiefs. Minus seven and a half at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chiefs. We're going three for three. We'll try to be less boring next week. Well, we always try to do that. Again, make your picks at thedriveshow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, buy local for a strong local community. And let's start with Mr. Scott chasing the fog.net. We don't have a lot of time, so I'll go quick and hold this up. Hopefully that's right. That's QB. See, it's Q, it's a B, mm-hmm. but it's two halves. That's what Kansas has right now. You've got Thomas McVitie, all the physical tools. He's got the arm strength, the speed, the mobility. But it didn't seem like he had a great understanding of the KU offense, the zone read, the RPO. You have Miles Kendrick, who seemed like he was making the right decisions but he's not big enough, doesn't have the arm strength, the physical tools that McVitie does. That's the dilemma for KU right now. You've got two quarterbacks, both do one thing well, uh, but neither do both well. Well, uh, I didn't know we were supposed to have props, so I have this. It's about us. Uh, Hey, the drive was named the top recurring weekly program by the Kansas Broadcasters Association in Kansas. Way to go. We beat out Ralph Hip on ice. (laughs) That's it for this week's edition (laughs) of The Drive, and we will see you next week right here and all week on social media.